right, guys, welcome back to another episode, New Legacy Podcast. I got my man with me, Jeremiah Solvent, former Army Ranger. Crazy. We had a crazy content shoot today, crazy gala event. Uh, first time for you guys, right? Yeah, first time we did the end of the year gala event. Yep. And then this is actually the third podcast he's on today. So three podcasts. You ran like 13 miles today. <laughs> um, coaching call speech like yeah, endless yeah, speech. yeah yeah three podcasts two workouts uh three meetups uh coaching call and i mean dude i'm lost track yeah yeah like i don't know how you're still alive but um <laughs> guys you guys gotta go check out like the vlog of the event that happened today um and you're changing a lot of people's lives people are flying all over the country to come and see you and see you um you know like because i have a lot of love for you, you change your life so yeah. Um, appreciate for us being here too as well um, and seeing all your friends the homies amazing people you guys are like super down to like do cool shit yeah bro it's a good it's a good crew and you guys were awesome the whole time man yeah. I mean I can't couldn't ask for a, a better crew to come out so it's been awesome working with y'all yeah and uh, alright guys so now we're gonna um, talk a little bit more about Jeremiah's story he has an amazing story he's been through a lot um, and his journey is gonna inspire a lot of people um, so let's start. Where are you born? What happened? Let's go. How'd you pop out? Yeah, I mean, uh, I grew up in a town of like 300 people, so small town, shy kid. Oh, I didn't really ever want to be a leader, but I ended up becoming one later on in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did make my way and got into the 75th Ranger Regiment, um, but all, all that happened after I failed at being an athlete that I wanted to be in high school. Uh, I, I went to a community college after that, and then I was a dropout. So I dropped out of a community college and I enlisted into the military and I, I became an engineer. You know, I didn't really have a, a big dream. I was just pursuing a career that I thought made sense. And uh, yeah, man, it was just a lot of failure, a lot of failing forward. And eventually I found, found my footing and I decided to pursue the dream of becoming an infantry officer and getting into the Ranger Regiment. And it took a long time, uh, about seven to nine years, kind of depending on where you, yeah. where you start the the, the timeline, but yeah. uh, I got there, and it, that, that organization changed my life, and the journey changed my life. I mean, you still have hair, so you're still pretty young, right? I mean, I'm 37. Oh, shit. 37. <laughs> That's not bad, actually. That's I good. just I drink a gallon of water every single day. You know, yeah. I don't drink. I take care of my body. I, I, uh, I, I'm disciplined. I just try to take care of myself. You know? And you run all over Instagram with your shirt off. I run on Instagram with <laughs> my shirt off. I've run 103 miles in the Colorado Rockies. I, I signed up for that race on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then ran the race six days later. Um, yeah, so I got a track record of doing some hard shit. So, so you're like a right away all in type of person. Absolutely, man. Yeah. What, 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 you know, what leads you to that, like, to that trait of character that you have? Well, so like I mentioned, I grew up in a, in a little town in, called Trinity Center in Northern California. It's like 300 people. And I always wanted to be successful as a kid, but... I always doubted whether I could be. And I would see, you know, athletes on TV, mm-hmm. and I thought that they were the successful ones, and I wanted to be like them, but I never thought that I could amount to that. Yeah. Um, so I never really, like, dreamed much as a kid. And uh, what ended up happening is um, I found myself in high school, and I, I tried out for the wrestling team, and I fell in love with that sport, but I didn't really commit to the sport until, like, my sophomore year, you know? Yeah. And... I feel like I committed and went all in on wrestling a little bit late. 
And what ended up happening is I got to my senior year and I never qualified for the regional, or for, excuse me, for state qualifications. I never went on to state. And when that happened, I just thought I wasn't good enough of an athlete. And while my dream was to be one, I basically quit on myself. And I just drifted, you know? I drifted and didn't know what to do. I didn't have a plan. So I went to a community college because that's what my friends were doing. That lasted like two semesters. I was going to school and, you know, drinking around lunchtime and then going to statistics or, you know, math around the afternoon and then coming home and just living the party lifestyle with no purpose. When you lived a party lifestyle, did you feel like empty inside? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, bro. Like, I mean, I, the thing was, is like, <clears throat> I got my, I went all in. When I went all in on becoming like an athlete in high school, it was my obsession. You know, I'm training two, three times a day. And I, and I grew up as like a, a shy kid mm-hmm. and that sport really gave me purpose. Yeah. And so when I didn't make it as a senior, I felt like my purpose was taken from me and I was just drifting. So yeah, I was going to school, it was empty unfulfilled, no purpose, and just lost, you know, just not knowing what to do with myself. How did you pick yourself back up from that and transition? Well, I came home one day and I was really just, got, I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't like the way that I was living, you know, um, going out, partying during the day, partying at night and just kind of drifting through life. And I came home one day and my friends were, were in the apartment drinking mm-hmm. and it was the afternoon and I just said, bro, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And so I um, called the recruiter and uh, I was I was in the military within just like a few weeks or a few months right after that. Signed up pretty much out of desperation, you know. Yeah. So you used the military as a pillar to like change your life. Yeah, I did. But I didn't have some grand plan. You know, I just wanted out of my current situation because I was unfulfilled. I was unhappy and I was drifting. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening is uh, I was. Um, 18, year old, 18 years old when I signed up. I was 17 when I graduated high school, and I was 18 when I signed up for the military. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through the military, you know, went through basic training, all that stuff, and then I deployed, and at 19 years old, I went to Iraq. Oh, damn. And I was there, I turned 20 and 21 in Iraq. What, um, what phase of the invasion were you sent This out? is 2006, so this is during the surge. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did any of your friend, like, got injured or hurt from the event yeah i mean i had friends that got that got blown up um we had a lieutenant in my unit that was killed by a roadside bomb he was in his early 20s um i my first like four months or so in iraq i was i was driving a lot Mm -hmm. and uh my first exposure to combat was the vehicle in front of me hit an ied and it went up in smoke and i was like the vehicle right behind that um Everybody like was fine. I mean, some guys got they got injured. One guy like broke his leg, but we didn't get attacked after that on that convoy. So, yeah, I was there for 15 months, and I spent a lot of time soul searching, reflecting on life. And when people are dying, even whether you know them or whether you don't, yeah, you start really thinking about the value of life and what you want to get out of it. And so I was like searching and seeking meaning in life, mm-hmm. and. I remember I was laying down in this, uh, I was putting in a patrol base because I was an engineer. And so I was putting in a patrol base in the city of Bakuba. Mm-hmm. And about a mile from my location, the 82nd Airborne were going through and they were clearing this village. There was Apaches flying through. 
Yeah. There's a big gunfight going on. But I'm over here putting in this patrol base for the infantrymen. And it was late at night. We always did our engineer work at night so that we didn't get like, <clears throat> you know, we weren't that exposed. Yeah. And I lay down. It's like, you know, two in the morning. And I'm laying down in between some concrete barriers. My work for building the patrol base was done. And I'm looking up at the stars. And it was like a really clear sky. And I, you know, I sweat coming down my, my brow. Mm -hmm. I got my gun strapped on my chest, my body armor on. And I'm going to catch some rest. And I remember hearing the gunfight going on. Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing the infantrymen clear. And I just had this moment of like, man, I shouldn't be over here. I shouldn't be like, what am I doing in Iraq? What am I doing right here as an engineer? Mm -hmm. Why am I right here building this patrol base? Why am I not over there in that gunfight? Like I had this warrior's call. Yeah. And it was kind of, it was, you know, this desire to do something with my life and make an impact and be part of the fight and not just be a bystander in life. You know, and I think a lot of it now that I'm looking back on it had to do with giving up it with my dream of being an athlete. You know, I kind of, I basically quit on myself earlier and I, I, in that moment, I wanted to redeem myself. Mm -hmm. I wanted to actually pursue the dream. And I realized that I had just been drifting. Yeah. So that was the moment I decided to um, go back to school, finish what I started, drop the army, drop the green to gold packet to become an officer. Mm -hmm. Like I like some things about the military, but there were some things I didn't like, right? Mm -hmm. And I and my parents, they, they taught me the lesson. Like if you don't like something, you do something about it. So I said, okay, well, I don't like this stuff about the military. I don't like some of these leaders. Um, I don't really care so much for this job, but I do like these things. So let me become an infantry officer so I can make a bigger impact. And let me just like shoot for the stars. You know, let me shoot to get into special operations. Let me try to be the best of the best because those guys, like, that's where I want to be. Yeah. So I, I went for it. And like uh, Louis and the, the crowd over here, but um, Ranger is like the top of the food chain, you know. And he goes from being, you know, desperate, trying to find new hope, joining as an enlisted, bottom of the barrel, starting out as an E1, like climbing up the chain, to then become an infantry officer, then a commander, like. Yeah, so ba like to put into perspective, like when I, when I came into the military, I was making like 1,500 bucks a month. Yeah. Before I joined the military, I was working for a temp agency. Mm -hmm. A temp agency, I was just doing like odd jobs and construction and shit. Yeah. And anyway, so um, to put in perspective, I was basically as an engineer, like playing flag football. Actually, not even that, I wasn't even playing flag football. I was like the water boy mm -hmm. of the flag football team. And then through like seven years later after that point, next thing you know, I'm in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but then I'm the quarterback of that NFL team. And fortunately enough, like that platoon was the bad mother's platoon. Those guys were just savages, dude. We were killers. Mm -hmm. The best leaders I ever met in my life. Professional, thorough, diligent, aggressive. I mean, they're just that's the team that you wanted to be on. And that platoon was selected to go overseas and do high value target raids against enemy combatants of the United States. My platoon was. So not only was I in the NFL and like the quarterback, but then we were chosen to go play in the Super Bowl. <laughs> so from like playing flag football, like the water boy out of a flag football team to being overseas doing missions that the president had visibility of, that was a huge personal transformation for me, I had to change everything about myself. Yeah. Like you have 
I'm real I'm really happy you explained it that way because a lot of civilian thinks oh military Navy SEAL like all the same like no like it's just there's levels to it and without me being in I wouldn't like you know ask you specific type of questions like these because you climb up such a high rank and you know I know those high achievers there's a lot of pain that you have to bottle up to get to where you are so fast and the time compression hurts a lot like so what's the biggest lesson that you could give anyone that's trying to strive for something higher like this going from you know hitting like whether a bankruptcy or starting a new business or like starting from blank and losing everything or you know how so right starting from square one like what advice would you give them to take them to like the heights you're at i mean not only do you have to like fully send it and just give everything that you got to the to the dream mm -hmm. with zero expectation that it's gonna play out like I wanted to become the best of the best. I wanted that job. I wanted to become the Ranger platoon leader. I wanted the deployments. But there's so much along the way that you can't control. You'll like drown if you try to focus on getting to the result as fast as you can. Mm -hmm. So what you have to do on any dream is you gotta just cast a vision. You gotta submit to the process, have blind faith, and just believe in the vision and not have any other backup plan. Like people say that shit all the time, but I had zero other plan. I was all in and I told myself like, I'm either gonna get this job or I'm not, mm -hmm. but I'm not walking away from the opportunity until they make me go the other direction, the organization. And the thing was, is like <clears throat> when I commissioned as an infantry officer, there was you know thousands of other infantry officers that commissioned that year too, to include guys at West Point. Yeah. And most infantry officers want that assignment. Mm -hmm. They want to become the ranger platoon leader. They want to get in soft. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening is a lot of those guys that wanted it, they compromised along the way and they started chasing the grass. They thought the grass was greener on the other side. They would drop a packet for like, I don't know, FBI, CIA, um, you know, SF, whatever. And they would just start deviating. Mm -hmm. And I'm just too stupid to quit. So I just stayed on the path with blind faith and the vision and just trusted and hoped that I was going to get it. And... I mean, I failed so much along the way, dude, so much. But uh, yeah, that would be my advice is, is full send, blind faith, trust, and just have the vision, man. Follow the vision that's in your heart. It's taking you somewhere. Yeah, I think like our, you know, our coach, you know, I'm, I'm also on Wes, Watson's program. He said the path illuminate as you walk on it. Absolutely. I, I, that's like so true. And the path is full of false peaks. Yeah. Ooh. Like you're all, you're gonna keep you're gonna like can you, can you explain on that that's a that's a banger yeah so the path is full of false peaks means like you're gonna climb a mountain to your dream and along the way you're gonna think that you're getting to the top of the mountain like when I got to I finally commissioned as an infantry officer mm -hmm. and then my you know along the way to becoming an operator I wanted to go on to deployments and I wanted to go fight overseas before I got there mm -hmm. so I'm like hell yeah the top of my next mountain is a, is a combat deployment. So I go to Hawaii and I'm thinking, all right, this is it, I'm commissioned. I've made it through the first milestone of my career. This is it. And then that unit was, was scheduled to deploy to a combat zone and go fight. And I'm like all excited. And as soon as I get there about 30 days on the ground, that deployment goes away. Hmm. So it's just a letdown, right? You're gonna constantly go through letdowns along the way. I mean, I felt like, <clears throat> Like one of my friends, Michael Chandler, like before he got into the UFC, mm -hmm. he, he said the same thing happened to him where every time it looked like there was an opportunity for him to get into the UFC, the door shut. 
but that door shut and another door opened. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same concept as climbing the mountain with these false peaks. You're going to move. You're going to get, think you're getting to the top. It ain't the top, man. <laughs> Guess what, bro? You're going to take another dip down and there's a bigger hill right up ahead. And you got to keep climbing. What kind of mindset do you have to have to like, not like fall apart? Like a lot of people, you know, that they deviate from the main mission. Like how do I, myself, my team, how can we kind of like stay on the path without falling off? It's just a commitment for life to the, to the dream. Like you have, like, so like, for example, when I was in ranger school, a lot of guys would count down the days till ranger school ended. Ranger school is 62 days, a very tough leadership and small tactics school. Um, if you go through it first, the first time through, no recycles, you don't start any phase over, it takes 62 days. But sometimes guys are there for months, maybe even a year. Like, imagine not seeing your family and being in a military school with a rucksack on for a year, not knowing when you're going to leave, bro. That's like, and you're not like sleeping, bro. You're like not eating, not sleeping for like that full year. You might have some periods where you get pulled out of that ranger school and you're in a kind of a holding area and then you go back, but it's purgatory, bro. And imagine now, maybe your wife's pregnant mm -hmm. and now you're going through that. Yeah. So there's a lot of stress of going through any military pipeline, chasing any military dream, any dream in life, period. Mm -hmm. But uh, <clears throat> the point with that is that when I went to ranger school, and everybody was counting down the days, I told them to shut the fuck up. <laughs> I said, bro, this isn't 62 days in a wake up, 61 days in a wake up. I'm here for life until it ends. I am here, this is my world until I'm out of ranger school. So I am here for the rest of my life. I'm not gonna count down the days until I'm not. And I, like that mentality for your goals and your dreams is so important because it, when you have an all in, there's no other option. I'm here for life mentality. You don't see anything else. You don't see another path. You don't see any temptation. It's like when you're fully committed to a woman, when you're fully, truly committed to her, you don't see other women. You just see her and it helps you stay focused on her. But the moment you start compromising on that, you start kind of looking around, you start getting tempted and it pulls you away from the path. That just leads to chaos and it leads to self-destruction, drama, issues. The best thing to do for every dream is to stay 100% focused on the path ahead. And in order to do that, you just have to accept that you're going at it for life or, or till life pulls you off the path. So, you know, you did, you did the military times. What, if you had to summarize it, what's the biggest lesson that you learned from the military that someone can take and apply today? on success or just anything on success bro lead your life with a vision so the thing the military taught me two things is i had to change me to become an infantry officer from enlisted soldier to infantry officer ranger mm -hmm. the way i changed me was by creating a vision for who i needed to be mm. like i pictured the perfect ranger the operator and i'm like i have to learn to move like him talk like him study the books that he studies and guess what every single strength that he has is a weakness of mine mm. He, this guy, like in my mind, the ranger platoon leader, the ranger officer, these guys read, you know, they read books, they read tactics. I didn't read a full book until my 20s. Damn. I scored like 850 on my SAT. No, and so I had to confront all my academic issues to become the infantry officer. So yeah. I had to create this new person. And the second piece is that after I became an infantry officer and then I became a commander too after the ranger regiment, I had 130 soldiers underneath my command. Mm -hmm. And the thing that the infantry pipeline and infantry officer pipeline taught me was how to accomplish a mission with a vision. When I spoke to my guys, whether they were 
um, infantry soldiers or whether they were Afghan operators, because I had Afghan operators attached mm -hmm. to my, my task force. We spoke and we led every mission with a vision. This is what success looks like when we hit the target. Mm -hmm. This is what everybody's gonna do to achieve mission success. And when you have the vision and you understand how it should look and you can play that vision like a movie inside of your mind, you can put a person on the battlefield and as soon as they get oriented, they can accomplish the mission because they understand how it's supposed to play out. All right, so vision is like the most important part of any level of success. You don't have to have all the answers, but you should have a clear vision for where you're going, what it should look like to achieve it. And then you allow that vision to help you make the decisions to get there. Wow. So you did your military time. Um, after that, did you go straight into the coaching realm or um, did you like did like odd jobs or different jobs to get there? Um, so I started coaching I actually never wanted to be a coach, to be honest, mm. but coaching called me. Right. So what ended up happening was um, when I, I was, I'll say transformed from enlisted soldier to infantry officer, mm -hmm. then got my dream job, NFL, yeah. right, with all that shit. Mm -hmm. um, I accomplished my dream and I made this commitment to God along the way that if he helped me achieve it, I would promise to pay it forward tenfold. And I, and I started paying that in advance. My goal was to, you know, I'm like, God, like, if you help me get this dream job, like, I swear to you, like, I will do everything in my power to pay it forward tenfold. And I would pray on that every night. And I, I would have this, this vision, it was crazy, because I never cultivated this vision intentionally, but I had this vision of combat every single night, too, that I laid down. And I would go to sleep, and there's just like this vision that was every, the same movie every night, me in combat. Wow. So I'm praying to God every night, and then I have this vision of, of being overseas, and, uh, that goes on for like seven years, mm -hmm. and then I land the dream job, and I'm like, holy shit, it's amazing, bro. It's everything I thought it was gonna be. People told me like, bro, what if it's not like what you think? Oh no, bro, it was exactly like <laughs> I thought. Like, you, when you get off the back of an MH47, you know, mm -hmm. and you're like getting ready to go on target, it's pitch black out, <laughs> 10 o'clock at night, you can smell like, you can smell the fuel from the, the bird. You know, it's just radio silent out there, and the bird flies off. And you're just sitting there and you just get on your Pelotors. Bro, that's like the best feeling in the world, right? You're like ready to unleash hell, but you're, you're cool, you're calm. And you just like take a deep breath and you're like adrenaline's rushing. And you start your climb in, your infill. It's the best feeling in the world, man. You feel free, you know, because you're there just to unleash havoc, right? But also you're there to be precise. You're like a freaking doctor out there, a surgeon or something, right? Yeah. So you get in, you get out. <clears throat> so it was a dream come true. Mm -hmm. The feeling that I got overseas was amazing, but all dreams end. Yeah. And on December 31st, 2016, I walked into my last Ranger mission. And uh, it turned into a mission gone south. Mm. We went in. We thought that it was a big compound. We were there to go capture or kill this high-value target. And as we got in... Um, the situation changed on the ground and bottom line is we ended up with a barricaded shooter inside of a two-story compound. Mm -hmm. And then that turned into multiple enemy fighters. Mm -hmm. It turned into a giant gunfight with an enemy fighter dropping grenades on top of our task force. Damn. We had over a dozen casualties. One of the friendly um, members of our, my task force, he lost an eye that night. So he took shrapnel to the eye. Our partner force got wounded. We were getting attacked in the periphery and we had to evac, mm -hmm. which is like 
it feels like a cardinal sin for a ranger to withdraw from a mission. Mm. Like you're not taught to leave the fight, but we had to. We were combat ineffective. My commander had to make the call, and it was the right call. Yeah. So my um, several of our helicopters almost, you know, we were under gunfire on the way out the whole time. My my helicopter almost got hit by an RPG. Wow. My leaders were wounded. They had shrapnel from that night. Mm -hmm. They got purple hearts and were awarded um, awards of valor. And I had to go on to the next chapter of my military career after we got back to the States. That was the last Ranger mission okay. that I did. So I had accomplished this dream, mm -hmm. but I, feel like I, f I felt like I failed as a leader. Mm. I felt like I was the one responsible for my guys getting hurt. And not only that, but then I had to leave the organization. So what ended up happening is it was a bittersweet moment, right? Like I, I ended up suffering um, and I started drinking. I started, I was dealing with leader guilt, survivor's guilt. I, was, I blamed myself for everybody getting hurt. I said it was my fault. I wasn't good enough. I did a shitty job. And I'm also on my own. I'm away from, I went on to that military school, so I was living by myself. And things got so bad, um, you know, I put a gun to my head and I almost ended it. Mm. I almost killed myself. But the commitment that I made to God like came over me that night. And while I wanted to end it, I couldn't. And I was like pissed about it because I had made a promise. You know, I made a promise to God that I would pay it forward tenfold if he gave me that dream assignment. And so he did that. And I was like, I was angry that I couldn't end it. But I put, it, I put the gun down and uh, alcohol was involved that night. I was completely hammered, just crying in my hands. And after that night, I decided that instead of wallowing in my self-pity, I had some other issues going on, too. I had multiple deployments that I had stacked up. I had personal life issues going on. All that was compounded at that moment. Life was beating the shit out of me on top of the failure as a leader. Mm -hmm. So I made a commitment basically to turn everything around that night and just become better. I said I was going to fix my weaknesses, remove, stop the drinking, get intentional about life and promise and fulfill the promise that I made to God, pay it forward tenfold. So yeah. that put me on a track of self-improvement. That led me to a mentor. Mm -hmm. The mentor started helping me with life success. I worked with him for about nine months. And after he got me right and we started achieving not only in my, my professional career in the military, even we started achieving even higher there. Mm -hmm. He taught me about entrepreneurship, business. I'd already been dabbling in entrepreneurship prior to that. Yeah. But what ended up happening is after he got me right, like he introduced the idea of me becoming a coach. He said, bro, you have an amazing track record of personal transformation, mm -hmm. changing your life. He said, you, you, you have incredible leadership skills you've done. You know, he laid out my personal resume. And he's like, you should coach others yeah. on, on high performance, on leadership, on success, on mindset. And uh, I kind of laughed. You know, I'm like, is that a thing? You can be a coach. What the fuck is that? You know, <laughs> but I respected the guy and he and he had been mentored by Zig Ziglar. Mm -hmm. You know, Zig Ziglar. Yeah. Yeah. So he he got mentored in person by Zig mm -hmm. every single week for like almost two years. Damn. And he taught all of Zig Ziglar stuff to me. So my life just got tremendously better and he was successful. So I listened to him and I, I put out a uh, social media post. I said, hey, guys, I'm going to start mentoring coaching if you want help with like anything that you think I could help you with I didn't even know what to say mm -hmm. I just said it on social media and somebody that I went to school with a long time ago reached out and they said hey man I just want to know how you did it all 
Damn. And that started my first coaching client. And uh, that led to the next thing and the next thing. And I started basically, I built Conquer Academy while I was a company commander. Mm -hmm. I'd wake up at two o'clock in the morning to do my social media, leads, sales, learn business, whatever. Yeah. And then I would go to work, be a commander all day, come home. And I would be at work, you know, from 5 a.m. to like 7 p.m. And then yeah. I would coach clients from 8, 9. And I'd wake back up at 2 o'clock in the morning, do it all over again. How, how long did you do this for? Fuck, like... I mean, that cycle was probably close to a year oh, wow. or something like that. My, my wife will tell you, she's like, it was maddening. Yeah. Like, she was just like, she, I mean, she knows, she's seen me do all kinds of crazy shit. So she just, when I get like that, she just lets me go. Like, I just get, I just latch in and just get hyper-focused on whatever it is that I, I want to achieve. Yeah. And then I just try to manage everything else along the way. And uh, so anyways, I'm like coaching full, I'm coaching part-time. I'm a commander. Mm -hmm. Um... And I'm also like trying to figure out what's next for me in life at this point because I'm coaching and I feel like I'm giving back and fulfilling the promise that I made to God. Mm -hmm. But I'm also at a crossroads in my military career trying to figure out if I should get out, stay in, what I, if I should go to the next. My original plan was to go to Delta Force. Mm -hmm. And I had to pack it in for Delta Force. But that's a whole other story. So um, I ended up running a 100-mile race. And on that 100-mile race in the Colorado Rockies, I decided that it was time for me to separate from service and be a coach full-time and go all in on it. And I was out of the military within four months. Damn. So is that the 100-mile race that you signed up for, like, six days ahead, and you're like, I'm just going to run it? Yeah, so I had, like, no train-up. The <laughs> furthest distance I'd ever ran was a marathon. Yeah. And I was laying on the couch of my house. And you, mind you, I'm in this cycle right now of continuous growth. I've been working with my mentor, stretching myself, and I had kind of basically been redeeming myself as a failed leader, right? So I'm really yeah. pushing and challenging myself in as many areas as I can. Mm -hmm. So I'm laying on the couch in my house, and it's a Sunday, and I see this guy on social media who does, like, a marathon a day, mm -hmm. right? And I see it, and I'm like, man, one day, he, this guy does a marathon a day? That's crazy. And then I see that he does ultra races, 100 mm -hmm. miles, and I'm like, that's insane. And I'm like, one day I'm going to do something like that. Is what I was thinking. I'm laying there on my couch on a Sunday, right? One day I'm going to run 100 miles, you know, like that guy. <laughs> like, I'm going to do this. Yeah, double, double click, right? Mm -hmm. But I have this rule with myself. Like, if I ever say I'm going to do something, I take action and I do it. It's always some type of immediate action. So I'm like, I'm going to do that one day. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I get online and I'm like, okay, ultra race is near me, right? And I'm just trying to see if there's what the nearest one is available and maybe I'll sign up. I'm thinking like, Maybe I'll train up and do one in a year. And there's a race, like, within the next six days. Mm. It's the following Saturday. So I click it, I pay, and then I'm like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> and it's at 11,000 feet in the Rockies. Oh, shit. So it's, it's not just, it's at elevation, yeah. yeah. So it's a 36-hour race, and basically right around Leadville, if you, uh -huh. in Leadville, Colorado. It's not in Leadville, but it's near it, yeah. Silver Hills. And uh, I called my buddy who had done some ultras before, and I told him the whole story. I'm like, bro, I signed up for this race, bro. <laughs> He's like, I'm like, I just need to know if I'm going to live. Like, <laughs> am I going to survive? Like, can I do this? And he's like, what's your mileage at? I'm like, bro, I haven't been running. Like, I, I, I ran this summer, mm -hmm. but I haven't been really running. I've been lifting weights. He's like, all right. He's like, but what would you do this summer? And before that, yeah, yeah, he starts talking to me. He's like, honestly, man, he's like, just based off of your mental toughness, I think you'll get it done. Damn. But he's like, it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> and I was like, bet. 
going. <laughs> so six days later, I, I, I go out there to the Colorado Rockies and uh, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. I've never ran, you know, that distance before. Yeah. I, I go out there with a, with a pair of uh, like two $50 pair of shoes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I wear one $50 pair of shoes. I'm like a private again, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, like privates do stupid shit. Like, you, like, like I, and I get these other $50 shoes and I go out there and I have a bag of like snacks, like I'm going to the like field, like I'm in the military, you know, some bacon or uh, some jerky and like whatever, cliff bars. Yeah. And I got a camel back and I'm, I have un, like not enough clothes. I'm, I'm wearing ranger panties and a freaking like t-shirt. Mm -hmm. And I, and this is the Colorado Rockies, bro. And this is a night, you're gonna run at night too. Bottom line, anyways, my wife couldn't take me out there, so I Uber 90 minutes into the woods to the start of the race, all right? She couldn't take me, so I get out there, and you're supposed to have a crew for one of these races. You're supposed to have a whole team. Yeah. I didn't have anybody. I didn't take anybody. I went out, I stayed at like a friggin' Motel 6 or something by myself. I checked in, the guy's like, he's like, let me get your drop bag. I'm like, what's a drop bag? He's like, you know, like you're gonna, it's like your supply bag for the halfway pointer for this three quarter, this for this checkpoint up here. And I was like, ah, oh, let me make one real quick. So I just like make, you know, I give him the extra pair of shoes and I give him some extra snacks or whatever. And uh, what ends up happening is I get a couple hours of sleep that night. I think I went to bed at ten, woke up at two. Mm -hmm. oh, the race started at four, and as the gun goes off and they start the race, I still have no fucking idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just got my camelback, my ranger panties, my shoes, and like maybe one cliff bar, right? And I'm just like, I'm off to run 100 miles. <laughs> and so uh, I, I end up finding these guys that had done a 100 mile race before. Mm -hmm. And one guy was doing, he, is, he was on like his 30th one. The other guy some, <laughs> like had done like 12 his of them. 30th Bro, one. and I'm like, I'm, and I'm running next to these guys, running next to these guys. Why are you running next to competitive ultra racers as a, as a newbie, you know? Yeah. So I blow up, obviously, because I'm running too fast. Mm -hmm. I'm going uphill. And I, but I start asking these guys questions. I'm like, hey, how do you guys, like, I got some questions, man. Do you guys, like, sleep at all during this race? Like, how do you, do you rest at all or do you just keep moving? And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, do you guys nap or you just keep moving? They're like, have you ever done an ultra before? I'm like, nah. <laughs> And, I, and they look at me like I'm ridiculous, right? And I have, I'm like clueless. I'm like, what? And I'm just, you know, so anyways, they like, and then I ask them questions about nutrition. I'm like, so how do you guys handle your nutrition? You know, do you eat on the move? Do you use the, the aid stations and rest or whatever? So they give me a couple little tips, but I blow up within the first like 10 miles or something like that. And I get this nasty headache. The altitude's getting to me. I got like altitude sickness. I start breaking the fuck down. Mm-hmm. And I'm still climbing uphill. And what ends up happening is I get to the 20 mile marker and I'm so sick and nauseous. I, my head's pounding and I think that they're gonna have to medically evacuate me off the hill. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm dead, like I'm done. And I'm like, this is a mile 20. <laughs> and I'm, there's 80 fucking more miles to go. And I get to this checkpoint and I'm like, all right, bro, like just get it together. Like just get, get to the checkpoint, give them your name and then just spend a couple minutes collecting yourself. So like a wounded animal would, right? I like check in and I like kind of hide off to the side. I find a ditch like, like a, in some shade. Cause I don't want to like lay out there in front of everybody. Cause then they'll all start asking me if I'm okay. So I like kind of like a coward. Like I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go fucking lay over here. So I lay down 
<laughs> and I take my shoes off and I'm like, I'm, I'm fucked. And uh, I'm like, there's no way I'm coming off this mountain. And so I'm like, just set my alarm for 20 minutes. And I say, listen, if this doesn't go away in 20 minutes, like, I'm just going to have to be a did not finish. You know, I'm going to have to drop. Mm-hmm. And as I'm laying there, within like five minutes, 10 minutes tops of laying there, this voice comes over me. And it's like, like God was talking to me. And he was like, we don't quit. Mm. And it was the loudest damn voice. And when he, that voice came over me, this energy came over me. And it just got louder. It was like, we don't quit. And then the, and there was like a conversation going on between my mind and my body. And they just started like arguing with myself. My body was saying, no, nah, bro, we're done. My mind's saying, get the fuck up. And my mind eventually just says, get up or we're dragging your dead corpse through the next 80 fucking miles. And my body just got up. Like, I didn't want to get up, but I just got up. It was like transcendental, it was crazy. And I put my shoes back on and I just start going and it was crazy experience. Like my entire world got, like there was like this dark cloud came over me, right? Mm -hmm. And I couldn't see much out my periphery. All I could see was my feet in front of me. And I just felt this like very intense anger and all of the challenges in my life, all the problems in my life, all the things I hated about myself, all the things I was regretting, it was like I was fueling myself with, with that anger. And so I found strength in, di- in digging into my, the depths of the hate that I had inside of me. And that hate pulled me through. And I started like putting one foot in front of the other and it was just dark and nasty and evil inside of my head. And I was thinking about combat. I was thinking about failing as a leader. And inside I'm just in excruciating pain, but I'm putting one foot in front of the other. And this is going on for a while until I'm climbing this like mountain and I'm at the backside of like the 40 mile marker. Mm-hmm. I'm going up this hill and I'm putting one foot down to one foot, stopping, dizzy, falling over. Oh, I can't think. One foot, one foot. And I'm doing this over and over again. Eventually, I'm crawling up this hill. And I'm like, bro, there's no way. But I get to the top. And as soon as I get to the top, it was like all of the darkness, the, the fog that I was seeing, everything cleared. Mm. And it was like euphoria. And I got hit with this energy. And I was like, oh, bro, like, I feel good. All the evil went. It was like I shedded all the bad things in my life that I didn't like about myself, all the failures, all the, everything that I regretted, all of it had been stripped away and I was like reborn. And I checked in at that checkpoint and I started running again. And I was at mile 40 and I'm like, holy shit, bro, I'm gonna make this damn thing. Now, mind you, I still had 60 more miles to go and like I went into the night, I almost got hypothermic at night, I had no idea what I was doing then. Um, I almost, later on in the race, I almost missed one of the cutoff times and I had to sprint like five miles. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a shit show, the back end of that race, but I ended up completing the race Mm. and I finished it on time and I passed. And it's one of the, they say it's one of the toughest ultras that exists because of the altitude. Mm. And I completed it with zero train up. Damn. But it was on that race that I realized, like, I reflected a lot. I reflected on what I was doing in the military, what I was going to do next in life. And I realized that what I had been doing in the military to become a ranger was chasing significance. That's really what I was after. I mean, I loved serving. I loved what filled me up was helping others. But what started on the path was wanting to feel important, Mm -hmm. wanting to feel like I was going to do something, be that hero. But what I learned through the path was that what I really loved 
was serving others. I loved being a part of a good team, helping others succeed. And I was getting that as a coach because mm-hmm. I was a coach during this time. And uh, I realized that after that race that what I really wanted in life was, was more purpose and fulfillment. And the only way for me to get that, the real way for me to get that was by serving others. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, stay in the military. And if I do that, I can only impact a certain number of people, right? The military kind of limits you on how many people you can help. Yeah. But I was like, if I get out, it's unlimited. Yeah. So I actually didn't want to get out of the military, but I knew that it was where I could find the most purpose, the most fulfillment, to make the most impact. And I also follow three rules when I make a decision. Like I say, what's the hardest path in front of me? Mm-hmm. Because the hardest path always pays. I ask, what would my mentor tell me to do? That's an expert in this area in life or business, whatever, what would they tell me to do? Mm-hmm. And then what does my gut say to do? What is my intuition? What is my, you know, my conscience telling me to do? Mm-hmm. And if I get two of those answers pointing in one direction, it's a non-negotiable for me and I just have to go that direction. Damn. So what do I not want to do? I don't want to get out of the military. Mm-hmm. What, would my, what would my mentor tell me to do? He would say, Jeremiah, you love purpose and fulfillment. You love helping people. You should consider getting out. What is my gut telling me to do? My gut's saying I should probably get out. And I was like, shit. I got, I'm giving up. I, it was a 15-year investment in the military. Yeah. And I walked away from that and dove in full-time and gave up all the benefits that they talk about and all that shit. And then I went all in on entrepreneurship, being a coach. Wow. The mission that I told you that I used to see in my mind, mm-hmm. I lived that mission in combat. Damn. Like I got done. I came off, the tar- off target, laid down in my, my bed. Uh-huh. And that was the moment I realized that I had achieved my dream because it was the exact mission that had been playing in my head for seven years on the journey. Whoa. It's wild. Bro, it was the same shit. I mean, there were some small nuances that were a little bit different. Same feelings, same people. I couldn't see the faces. Mm-hmm. But that's when I realized the law of attraction, the manifestation, all that shit's real. And faith, yeah. is a, faith plays a huge role in law of attraction manifestation. Like, I work with a lot of high-end high achievers, high end individuals, all of them um, pray every day mm-hmm. and they have a lot of faith in everything they do. Um, and and I, I didn't, I wasn't very religious until I started a business. Like, it was wild. That's because it's hard. Yeah. There's no atheist in a foxhole. That's true. No, everybody prays to something during hard times. Yeah. I don't give a fuck what you believe in. Like, you could say you're, the, you're an atheist and shit, but when shit is really beating you up and you can't find a way out, you know, there's like four transformational areas in life. There's the comfort zone, the terror barrier, mm-hmm. the pain cave, mm-hmm. when things are difficult, then the potential barrier. The potential barrier is where you feel like all hope is lost, bro. When you want to be like a little kid and crawl up in your room in the fetal position and just cry. And you're like a grown man. And you're like, why do I want to just go cry in my bed as a grown man? When you're in that zone, there's no atheist there. You pray. Every single person does. That means something. I don't know what to say. That was just like the best response I've ever heard. Hell yeah. <laughs> so I've lived it, man. Yeah. That's, you know? that's, that's crazy. Damn. So you have this company. Now you're changing like thousands of lives. Like, you know. After COVID, a lot of people started to come online as a coach. Um, like, how do you 
separate yourself like you're already established by then like i mean as a lambo outside you know so like the thing that established me as a coach though is not it wasn't anything material that i had people people come to me for coaching because they trust me Mm -hmm. and it's because i have great integrity i didn't always have the best integrity integrity is like a, a huge component of being a leader you know, everybody, I always teach this model to people that want to achieve their personal greatness. Mm-hmm. What you're trying to do in life is get to your absolute best, your greatness. And in order to get there, it's a triangle. On, the, on one side, on the right side, is high performance. Your ability to handle bad days, turn them into good days, be resilient, be effective, be productive, etc. On the left side is your leadership, your ability to influence others. Mm-hmm. And on the bottom of the triangle, it's like a pyramid is your skills and your character. Your skills and your character make up your foundation. Mm. Your character is like your integrity, doing the right thing, right? And your skills, your ability to do the job, the task at hand. So for as an infantry officer, I need to be able to shoot, move, communicate, those are my skills. Mm-hmm. And I need to have strong character. I need to have strong integrity because without that, I can get to the apex and my whole foundation will crack and I'll fall. You see this with athletes all the time. How many athletes do you know that have the leadership? Mm-hmm. They have the high performance, they have the skills, but they don't have the character. Mm. They get to the top and then all of a sudden their foundation cracks and they fall. They get in trouble for domestic violence, drinking, fighting, whatever, and they're no longer at the top, they're at the bottom. So integrity has been a huge thing for me that I've had to build and cultivate in myself. Anytime my life was in shambles, anytime my life was like I was struggling, it's because I wasn't living within integrity to myself. Mm-hmm. Integrity means you do the right thing. You do the right thing when no one's watching. That means I was one of those guys where I was like a superhero during the day, but I was kind of a clusterfuck at night. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a, I'm a serial achiever over here in one area of my life. At least at the beginning, this is how it was for me. But I'm drinking. I'm going to go out on the weekends. I'm going to party on the weekend. And I'm going to try to make up for all that with my work ethic after I mess up, you know? And that um, was one of the reasons, one of the, compounding issues that almost caused me to end my life was mm-hmm. living like that you know mm-hmm. successful people don't continue to exist when you live two lives mm. you have to become one with like your true self and your true best in order to sustain your progress and your success like a lot of leaders for example a lot of leader, leaders struggle with trying to find the balance between being a friend and being a leader to their their people mm-hmm. they say hey how close is too close to my people like the holiday season is coming up and I want to have people over at my house, but I'm kind of worried about treating them like a friend and overstepping and being too friendly. But the real problem is that they're afraid to deliver who they are as a friend to their people. Mm. And what they should do is just become the leader that they need all the time and deliver that leader to them as a friend. And the only way that they, you can deliver that leader is, is if you operate from a place of integrity all the time. So integrity has been a huge thing for me. And I think um, that's one of the reasons why people come to me for coaching is they know that I'm going to do whatever the hell I have to to help them get the results that they're after. Does it always work? Not all the time, if I'm completely honest. But I'm going to do everything within my power. Mm-hmm. If they quit before me, I can't control that. You know what I mean? But I'm going to give 110% to them from the time they show up to the time they leave. Your team is pretty big now, and you guys are like, you know, you got your sales department, 
you have your like all the other department like does it take away the personality you had with your clients when you have more employees does it like you know separate the relationship a little bit because a lot of coach when they first start out they have a very close tight relationship with their clients like family almost and as you're building a team do you feel like you're asking if i feel like less connected to my clients mm -hmm. no that's a choice bro like you just have you have to you, you can't lose sight that you're in the people business mm -hmm. you can't ever treat your business like a business you got to treat it like you're there to build relationships, you're helping to change people's lives. And then the business aspect of it comes, the di so the difference is, is transactional versus relational coaching. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like when you're detached from your client, you're being transactional. You're trying, you're, they're paying you, you're collecting the money and you're gonna try to help them get the result, but you're not really there to build the relationship. I don't like that, I hate that shit. Mm -hmm. I'm relational. So my job is to be a friend to you, be a coach to you, tell you what you need to hear and build the relationship with you across time. And you know, once I help you get the result, my job is to hopefully I help you outgrow me mm -hmm. or outgrow us and you go to the next thing. A lot of coaches try to hold on to their people and right. they try to just retain them for their whole life. And it's like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? Like this guy person is designed, like you're supposed to help them become more successful, not keep them where they're at. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah, because I know like a lot of coaches have the recurring monthly revenue stuff, but it's more for them than the client. And yeah. I don't think that's fair. No, they trap them in it. A lot of them trap, trap the customer in it, and they don't give them an alternative. I mean, it's different if you're creating an experience that they love. Mm -hmm. You know, and like the way that we do it is, you know, you're going you're gonna, to, it depends on what program you're jumping into, but like you, you, might, you might pay more up front at the, your first uh, program. But then the back end, if you won't want to stay in for the community, then we just have monthly memberships that invite you so you can come to the events, you can stay involved, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what a lot of these guys do is they don't really give them a way out or they build some like ascension ladder mm -hmm. that keeps them climbing and keeps them never reaching the top. And I don't know, I just, I've seen that too many times where people just have malicious like intent and they're mm -hmm. not really after the best interest of the person. But at the same time, if you build a great product, if you build a great service, that person never wants to leave anyway, because they just love it. You know, I got plenty of people like that. Like one guy was, that was here, mm -hmm. I coach, he's been with me for like four years. Okay. This guy, and oh, I love this dude, man. His first call with me, mm -hmm. he never ran more than five miles. And he, he did his first call with me. I told him how much he was holding back in life, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. He goes out that day, that night, Damn. and he ran a marathon <laughs> in boots that night. We did our call in like lunchtime at like 8 p.m. He was doing a marathon in boots. When he got on the call with me, I told him he was holding back and I got him so fired up. And I'm thinking like, you, bro, you should do a marathon a lot sooner. I, I wasn't necessarily meaning like today, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> but he went out and did it. And when he did it, I was like, hell yeah. And I, like, he's, I saw him on social media and I'm like, yeah, fucking rock that shit. Let's go. <laughs> you know, That's I just crazy. had a fuel to the fire. But uh, yeah, so anyways, it's like, I just, I just always try to put the customer first, put the client first, but, and they become friends too anyways. And uh, it doesn't matter if they're trying to run the marathon or just change their life. You know, one guy moved from New York down to Florida, changed his entire life. A lot of them get, you know, it could be anything, man. But um, my whole thing is like just helping them collapse that timeline to their goal. What is the biggest takeaway that you um, can give in any 
advice for anyone that's stepping into the coaching realm or, or wanting to be a coach? I mean, don't be in it for the money. Mm-hmm. Like, if you, the guys that make the best coaches are the ones that, that from what I've seen, coaching gets introduced to them. Mm. The ones that really struggle are the ones that sit back and like, oh, I want to be a coach because I want to help people. And that's cool that they want to help people or whatever. But a lot of times they're just looking at trying to make some money because they, they think that it's an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. But coaching is not about just teaching people your knowledge. It's not teaching people what you know. It's about changing behavior. Mm-hmm. Coaching is leadership. That's why I've been able to do it. You know, I, like, and a lot of like operators that have, that change themselves and then they have the leadership experience, it can be easier for them to, to lead and be coaches. Because mm-hmm. they have, but what you're doing is you're changing people. Like, you're, like that's where the disconnect is. You're not just teaching people information. People can go on YouTube and learn how to change their life, build better habits, whatever. And that's what a lot of coaches think that they're doing is they're just sharing their information. Mm-hmm. But you're not. You're trying to say the right thing to this person that creates influence takes a guy from never running more than five miles to doing a marathon in one call. Takes a solar sales guy who has a team and in one call increases his profit by $200,000. We did that in one call, bro. One call, solar guy, he had a team, one call with him, within the next seven days, he makes an extra 200 grand profit for him, his business. He set a company record and made 200 grand that week, profit that the team did. Wow. But so like that's behavioral change. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And I'm not in the business of like building coaches and stuff. I'm, you know, I'm still building me. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a lesson that I picked up along the way is that it's not about teaching. It's about creating influence and changing the person. What's your, um, we're, gonna, we're coming to a close pretty soon. Um, what is your big plan for the upcoming year? For 2024? Yeah. I mean, dude, it's running the play that I've ran. It's just continuing to make every aspect of Conquer Academy better, drive better results with people, get them in better shape, help them become better leaders for their families, Mm -hmm. their companies. I mean, it's the same shit. It's just bigger and bigger. Has anyone ever reached out to you as a coach, but like they're on the verge of suicide or or hurting themselves? Yeah. How do you deal with that? I mean, I dealt with suicidal attempts as a commander. Hmm. And I mean, <clears throat> I had a guy, there's a memory that's popping up as you say that. I had a guy on my team that was talking to somebody that wanted coaching. He hmm. contacted us and he was, and I get people that hit me up on Instagram too mm-hmm. that are suicidal. Uh, you can't control what, what that person's going to do. If they're going to off themselves, they're going to off themselves. But what you can do is you need to give them the resources tell them where to go and give them the tough love that they need. I just tell guys when they hit me up in the DM to stop talking the way they're talking. They tell me that their life is, their girl did this and this to them. They're, they, they don't want to be around anymore. They want to end it. I say, stop talking like that. And then I tell them to go work out. I've done this. And I tell them to message me after they get done working out. I think I did this like two weeks ago with somebody. Wow. And I was like, I don't want to hear from you again until you go do this workout. I'm like, this is what I want you to do. Ten minutes, I don't care what it is. After you get done, message me. Because sometimes they get in this spot where they just want, like, they're crying for help, but what they really want, like, 
what'll keep them where they're at is just the attention. You give them the attention, you start coddling their feelings and stuff, and then they just start feeling good that they reached out to somebody and somebody is making them feel better about where they're at. So they actually don't want to actually change or do anything. They just want somebody to talk to. Mm-hmm. So what I found is that, you know, I, and I'm not like some psychologist or anything. I don't know if this is the right approach. I'm just using my best judgment when I meet these people, you know. Mm-hmm. But what I learned as a commander is like to always give the people the resources that they need to help themselves. And sometimes the best way to help somebody is not to help them. You know, if I come in and I try to tell you, bro, don't think about suicide. Don't think about that. Don't think about that. No, no, no. The solution is, bro, like, you have the power to change your situation. My, my job isn't to convince you not to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. My job is to convince you that you have the power to change, mm. that you hold the power to get out of your situation. You know, it just comes down to a decision. So those are some things that I've found effective. Um, I actually have, I mean, I have, uh, this is a sensitive subject because I've helped a lot of people in some really dark times, like change their lives and, there's this customer that was in a horrible relationship, started using my podcast to like better herself while she was getting abused and stuff, and went through all that abuse, was messaging me as she was going through it, and uh, then signed up for my coaching after she got out of the relationship. And it took her a long time to break free of the relationship. But um, yeah, I think uh, for anybody that's going through a tough time, like if you get hit up like that, or if you get hit up by somebody that's having a tough time, your job is to like be there for them, but give them the resources and give them the power to change their situation. Remind them that they hold the power to change it, you know, and, and, and be direct with them, you know, like, bro, like your mind, your mind is a very powerful tool. Like it's the most powerful weapon on the face of the planet. Your mind is, Okay. Think about this, like Elon Musk is using his mind to get the world rallied to go to Mars. <laughs> he is. He's using his imagination. That's true. That's true. He's using his willpower. He's using his intuition. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, and he's sharing this vision with the entire world, and he's getting everybody rallied behind this idea that he can take everybody to Mars. And everybody's like, yeah, let's fucking do it. And the human mind has created this microphone. It's created Wi-Fi. It's created all kinds of shit. Now imagine if you use that power, that weapon, and you point it at yourself in a negative way. Mm-hmm. You're gonna self-destruct. That's why people kill themselves. So you have, to, you have to help that person shift their mind and point it in a positive direction and use that weapon for good versus evil, you know? Yeah. Before we close out on this podcast, is there anything you wanna leave the audience with? Any big lessons? If you like die today, what legacy, what message do you wanna leave behind? We all, the only reason why I was able to change my life was because uh, there was people that showed me what better looked like. Like humans don't really change when they read information or they get information. They change when they see what better looks like. Mm-hmm. So along the way, when I got around better leaders, mm-hmm. I could model them and study them. And what that caused me to do was change my entire life. It caused me to go from enlisted, you know, being in a temp agency, enlisted soldier, then ranger, and just continue to move on. And in entrepreneurship, seeing top people perform has helped me get to this level that I'm at now. So my message is that everybody that's listening, like you guys have an obligation to show others the way. You have an obligation to succeed 
because the people behind us need to see the example. It's like Vince Lombardi said. He said, leading by example is an A way, it's the only way. Mm. We have to all set a better example in society because we have an obligation to those that are behind us to help them succeed as well. Thank you for being part of this podcast. I think this is like probably one of the best podcasts I've been on in the time frame that we have. Thanks, man. You did um, great. How can the audience find you? Yeah, the best way to find me, guys, I uh, answer every DM that comes through on Instagram. Jeremiah Solvin. Okay. J-E-R-A-M-I-A-H-S-O-L-V-E-N. You guys send me a, a DM. Let me know where you're coming from. You know, and... Uh, I, I answer every single one. I'd love to get to know you guys. I'm a relational guy first, so let's build a relationship. Also, be direct. Tell me what you're about, what you want, all that stuff. Let's get right to it. And uh, I'd, be lo I'd love to help you guys out and help you get to that next level, whatever that looks like for you. All right. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on this amazing podcast. Jeremiah, appreciate you. Oh, yeah, bro. Conquer all. Close it out.